Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Marvin and Janesta show. So today we are revisiting the race, religion, racism series by Dr. Fred Price, the late Dr. Fred Price. And Dr. Price did this series back in the uh, mid to late 90s. Very profound uh, very engaging, very eye-opening series that he did. And I commend Dr. Price on his courage to go this route. His courage not to put money to the forefront because in reality, he lost money for which many pastors, in lieu of losing money, they would want to put a stop to that. Now, when I say losing money, he lost um, many of the congregation who were not were not for this. What they didn't want to go into uh, the details of, of this of this series, and. Dr. Price, he said, look, I'm going by the word of God. I'm going by the instructions of God. And he did not, he did not back down from this. And I, I greatly commend him on that. Because with him, it wasn't about how much money was coming in. It was about the word of God. It was about truth. And it was about a, a subject that is repeatedly swept under the rug by churches themselves. So this is episode two, the human race. Let's begin with Dr. Fred Price. Let's turn in our Bible to the book of Acts chapter 10, the book of Acts, chapter 10. And while the congregation is finding that, I want to give you that are watching me by television the same opportunity that was afforded those here in the congregation earlier. And that is, in your case, the opportunity of sending your tithes, offerings, and gifts of love for the financial support of ever-increasing faith television. All right. Now, we're not making all that noise and clapping to be silly. But the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver, and that means a happy and hilarious giver. And we're happy and hilarious about the opportunity that you have to become a partner with us in this great enterprise. I need your faithful financial support if ever-increasing faith television is to remain on the air in your area. I would not dare to suggest how much you should give. All I would ask you to do is to measure the value of this ministry to you and yours if it is valuable and you think that it ought to remain on the air, if you're not already a committed faith partner, I would like to ask you to seriously consider becoming a partner with us in faith in support of this ministry. On the screen is an address where you can mail your tithe offering or gift of love. Right now, I want to pray for you and pray with you, simply adding my faith to your faith and setting myself in agreement with you that you're going to receive the return on your giving because you will be participating in a spiritual law called sowing and reaping. 
and this ministry is good ground into which to sow. So you have a right to expect a harvest so that you can have number one, more seed to live on, and number two, more seed to plant in the future. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we praise you and we thank you for the privilege that you've given us in this covenant dispensation of grace. And your word declares that you love a cheerful, happy and hilarious giver. And we are indeed happy and hilarious about our privilege and opportunity to give to you through the ministry of ever increasing faith television. We thank you also that you provided for us a great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, whoever lives in the holy sanctuary of heaven to make intercession on our behalf. And dear Jesus, we're thanking you now that as our high priest, you will take the tithe, the offerings and gifts of love sent by the people for the support of this ministry before the Father, and you will worship him with them on our behalf. And for that, we thank you. Now, Father, as pastor of Crenshaw Christian Center Church here locally, and as pastor of Ever Increasing Faith Television for many thousands who are watching me now, I set myself in agreement with each and every one of them that they will receive the corresponding return on their giving and that all of their individual and family needs along with the needs of ever increasing faith television are met according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. For this, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' mighty name and all who agreed with that prayer said, amen. Thank you so very much for your faithful and continued support of ever increasing faith television. You are helping to make it happen. Please be advised that this television ministry was never intended to be a substitute for belonging to, going to, and being a part of a local church and or pastor in your area. So seek out that church. If you have not found one yet, well then by all means continue to draw from ever-increasing faith television. Okay, let's get it on. We are talking about race, religion, and racism. Race, religion, and racism. And last Sunday, I started this series and I began by introducing some things to you. So I wanna at least say this part again for the benefit of new viewers and people that are watching perhaps for the first time. This is a very controversial subject matter. Most people don't wanna deal with it and consequently, they will do everything they can to skirt the issue. But I believe that I have been giving and given a mandate by God to deal with this area of problem in our nation, primarily in the church. I'm a minister of the gospel. I am a Christian. I believe in the Bible. I believe in God Almighty, Jehovah the Creator. I believe in Jesus Christ, Savior, Redeemer, High Priest, and Sunday Coming King. And so consequently, I have a concern, as well as the Father God, that there is racism running rampant in the church. And as I said last time, and we read scripture where Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. He didn't say we were the light of the church or the salt of the church, but he said we're the light of the world. So we should be giving the world an example. And we are, and we have, but it's one of them kind of very poor examples. And so consequently, as the scripture also says, judgment must begin at the house of God. And so that's what we're dealing with. So because of the nature of the subject, I know from past experience, just on a very few things that I was just led to say off the cuff, that people can't handle it. 
And so they want to write me letters. I don't have time to read some stupid, ignorant letter. I, in, I, I want people who have been blessed and helped by the ministry, of course, to share that the fact that they have been blessed, but I don't need any letters of criticism. I don't have time. If you don't agree with the subject matter, as I told you last time, there's an up channel and a down channel and an off and on button on your television set. And so consequently, all you got to do is turn it off. You don't have, there's no obligation to listen to me. But this message is for certain people and they will hear the message. So I told you, if you want to write me a letter, that's fine. But you've got to put your name on the letter and you have to have a return address on the letter because I reserve the right to read your letter over the air. And I want everybody in the area where you live, your neighbors, I want them to know that this is you writing the letter. So that's why I need your name. See, that's what's been wrong if all this business has been done in a clandestine way, undercover, behind closed doors. But, but, we, but, but Jack is out of the box. We're going to put this all out. I'm going to put it right on the front page, see? And so it's going to be uncovered. So I, I, if, if a letter comes into my office, I'm instructing my people that if a letter comes in, whether positive or negative, and that letter does not have a name on it and a return address, I will not watch my lips. I will not read it. So save your ink, your paper, and above all, your stamp. Okay? If you want to write, that's fine, but you're going to have to make it right out in the open because I'm going to read it. If it's negative, I'm going to read it. If it's positive, I'm going to read it. I want everybody to know just how you feel about it. Now, um, last time we left off talking about the fact that it appears, as I said a moment ago, that Jesus said that we we're supposed to be the light of the world and the, and the salt of the earth. But I think a lot of Christians think that he meant that we were to be the taillight, when in fact he actually meant for us to be the headlight. And so we have problems in this racial situation. Now, racism, and when I get into that segment of the actual series, I'll give a definition of it. But for right now, just for the practical application of terminology so that you'll understand what I'm talking about when I say racism because that racism really has to do with an economic situation but what we have come traditionally to call racism is really in fact racial and ethnic and color prejudice okay racial ethnic and color prejudice and it's gone under the general title of racism and of course that could be a part of it too but anyway when I use the term racism I mean racial for right now, for right now. I mean racial and ethnic color prejudice where people have a problem with your color. And primarily it's white people who have a problem with black people, with their color. I gave you some things when we talked about, talked about it last time and, and I know that some of these things could be intimidating and I don't mean to be that way. I just wanna be honest about this. Uh, I am a person that has no hangups I have no hidden agendas. I don't have any phobias. I'm not afraid of anything or anybody. And I just believe in the truth. I have a principle that I operate on, which is called full disclosure. I believe in letting it all hang out. Okay. And so I'm going to talk just like you talk on the street. I'm going to talk just like you talk across your dinner table. I'm going to talk just like you talk in your bed when your husband and wife talk about the niggas down there in, in South Central LA. I'm going to use those terms. I'm not trying to be crass. I'm not trying to be uh, offensive, but I just want to talk the way you talk. I want to be sure you understand what I'm talking about. And I guarantee you, I will make you 
very aware of what I'm talking about, but I want to use terms that y'all use on the street because that's where all this stuff is going on. Okay. Now, last time we stopped off that with the, with this, uh, with the scripture and I, I we're not going to read it again, but I, it, I mentioned it a moment ago where it talks about judgment must begin in the house of God. And I said that the attitude of the Christian towards racial, ethnic, and color differences in mankind should be the same as God's. Okay, let me say that again. I said the attitude of Christians towards racial, ethnic, and color differences in mankind should be the same as God's. Our attitudes, if we are God's children and claim to know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and Lord, then our attitude towards mankind from an ethnic, racial, and color perspective ought to be the same as God. Is that reasonable? I mean, is that unreasonable? I mean, should, don't you think? that we ought to think like our father thinks. See, we ought to think like God thinks about it. So we want to find out from the scripture, how does God view? How does God see racial and ethnic differences? You know, we have, I used this term last time. People use the term uh, the white race and the black race and the brown race and the yellow race and the red race. Well, there is no such thing. It's a misnomer. There's only one race and it's the human race. And if you're in it, then you're in the human race. There is no black, brown, red, or red. It's just different shades of the same race. Because as I pointed out before, God is the creator. And so if there is a distinct, definite black race, God created it. If there is a distinct and definite white race, God created it. If there's a dis distinct and definite yellow race or brown race or red race, then God created them. That means it's five creations. And I can't find in the Bible but one creation. Uno, one. That's all I've been able to find. And I've read the Bible many, many, many times from cover to cover. I'm a student of the word of God. Doesn't mean I know everything, but I, I know that. And I know there ain't nothing in there about no five creations, only one. And everybody came from the same parentage. So there is no white race, black race, brown race, yellow race, or red race. It's all one race. So our attitude towards the ethnic differences, color differences, racial differences, which are all exterior, by the way, all of those things, our attitude ought to be the same as God. Why? Because God created you. And if God created you black, it must have been all right with him. And if it's all right with him, it's got to be all right with everybody else because the rest of the folk don't count. And if he created white or red or brown or yellow, whatever, it must have been all right with him because we all came from him. So if we're all right with him, we ought to be all right with each other. And if we're not all right with each other, then you have a problem. <clears throat> okay. Now, Acts chapter 10, we looked at this last time, but... Uh, 
and I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. This is a story of Peter. Uh, he had a housetop experience where God showed him that there is no clean or unclean and that he shouldn't call anybody common or unclean that God has cleansed. And so he was led by the Holy Spirit to go to a Gentile's home. Peter was an Orthodox Jew, and it was absolutely unheard of that an Orthodox Jew should go into a Gentile's home. I mean, the twain never met. They just did not fellowship together. And so Peter had a problem with this. And so God supernaturally revealed to him that it was all right and that what God has cleansed, that let no man call that common. Anyway, the long, the short of the long is Peter arrived at the man's house and asked why he had been called. The man told him about a vision that he had had of an angel and that the angel had told him to go send to Joppa for a man named Simon Peter and he'll tell me in my house words whereby we can be saved. That's sort of the background of the story. Now, Peter comes to the house and the man tells him just what I mentioned to you and Peter came up with this wonderful revelation. See, it was a revelation to him because see, up to, up to this time, the 10th chapter of Acts geographically and historically speaking is approximately 10 years from the day of Pentecost. And up till that time, the gospel had primarily only been given to Jews because Peter and the apostles thought it was an extension of the old Israelite economy and that Christianity was simply something new and more expanded for Jews and Jews only, not for Gentiles. And so it was a rude awakening for Peter to find out that the Gentiles also could get in on this. Now, here we go. Verse 34 and 35 said, then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him, is accepted by him, is accepted by him, is accepted by him. We could paraphrase it and say this, say it this way, is accepted by God almighty. What is your problem? All right, listen to this now. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Now, in the traditional King James Bible, it says no respecter of person. So if God is no respecter of person, wake that man up. If God is no respecter of persons, then we can't truly be God's children and be respecters of persons. Something is radically wrong. Okay, listen again. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, I, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, how many nations? Every nation. Well, well I pointed this out last time, but I, I want to reemphasize it. it. It says every nation. So would I be safe in making this delineation? Now you tell me, I'm asking from the, for the, from the court of appeal. I want you all to tell me if you, if you think this is stretching. If, 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 if it's, if it's, if, if, if it's every nation and my little brain, my mind tells me if it's every nation, then, and I want to make this real plain, that be meaning ain't no nation left out. Can y'all go along with that? Is that, that? That's my read, that it means no nations are left out. Is that right? Well, there is a black nation 
and a white and a red and a brown and a yellow, we, what we call them. So if, if no nations are left out, then that means the black nation is included. Thank you for those seven amens. I appreciate that. And hallelujah. But it says, verse 35, but in every nation, whoever fears him, that means reverences God, and works righteousness is accepted by him. So I still want to know what's your problem? that you can't accept me. What is your problem that you can't accept me, but God can? You're telling me then that you're greater than God. I don't think you want to go there. I don't know why, but I just get some strange feeling. I don't think you really want to go there. All right, let's go to another scripture, uh, Acts chapter 17. Actually, that's where we left off and we ran out of time. I need to extend these sessions. We need to do an hour and a half or something like that. It, it's... See, I have, to, I have to lay this groundwork because this racial thing, this prejudice thing, this racism thing is so deeply ingrained in America and in the church. And it has to be rooted out. Sometimes when you have roots that go way down, got to do a lot of digging and a lot of cutting in order to get down to the tap root and pull that turkey out of the ground. So I've got to lay a foundation. Okay, Acts 17 and uh, let's go begin with verse 24. God who made the world. Oh, Lord. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Look at this. God who made the world and everything in it. Oh. All right. God who made the world and everything in it since he is Lord of heaven and earth does not dwell in temples made with hand, nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, gives to all life, breath, and all things. Well, 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 since God gives to all life, breath, and all things, then that means God gives life and breath to white folks and black folks and yellow folks and red folks and brown folks. So I don't understand what you're crowing about like you got something special. You ain't squat. You got yours from the same place that I got mine. So what? how does that make you better than? And how does that make me inferior to you? Now, 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 let me say this. I'll get into it later with the actual scripture to, 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 to bear this out. But it may appear to some that I am angry. So I don't want you to get intimidated. I am angry. 
I'm angry with the holy, righteous anger. I'm angry with the same kind of anger that Jesus had when he whipped them turkeys out of the temple for selling and buying in the temple. That's the kind of anger. Okay? So. All right, let's move on. Verse 25. Nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men. And he has made from one blood every nation of men. And he has made from one blood every nation of men. And he has made from one blood every nation of men. For he and he has made from one blood, 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 every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and had determined their their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwelling. Now listen to this, verse, the first part of 26th verse, and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on earth. So if God is made, see, I told you there's only one race. It's just different shades of color. And the only difference in that is that some people have more melanin in their skin than other people do. That, that's what makes the color, melanin. Okay, and if you don't have any melanin, you're an albino, you're white as snow. But if you're what we call normal, then you have melanin to greater or lesser degrees. That's all it is. Same flesh. All, all human flesh is the same flesh. Now, watch this. God has made out of one blood. Now, this conspiracy that's been hatched here in America, and it started in the days of slavery, and it started for the purpose, as I said last time, and I'm going to have to keep going back to this because, see, we have to find out how the thing started so that we can go back and fix it. If we don't know why it's malfunctioning now, then we won't know how to fix it. But if we can go back to the origin and find out now how did this thing get bent out of shape like this, then we can fix it. So we've got to go back. Now, a lot of people get upset with this. They say, well, why don't you just forget the past, forget the past? Okay, then why don't you forget your dad blame birthday? Why don't you forget the fact that you were born 27 years ago? If it's all right to remember that, then it's all right to remember how this garbage got started. Okay. All right. Now, so the Bible says that there's only one blood. There ain't no such thing as black blood. That's right. That's right. And there's no such thing as white blood or red, brown, or yellow blood. It's all one blood. Can you read? The book says God made out of one blood. One blood. Now, see, if you take groups of people, now we know this from interbreeding with, with animals like dogs or things. If, if you take a group of people and isolate them from the general total population, then they will inbreed together and they will develop certain strains of things that will have certain characteristics that wouldn't have in the out group out here. So that's why it might make it look like it's different, but it's the same blood. Blood is blood is blood. Now I don't. I'm not. A, I'm not a doctor, but I think we have med medical people here, and I'm, I, I, I want. I want to. I want to whack eloquent, eloquent, and use big words every once in a while, so y'all think I got some sense. And so I, I don't know what the name of the person would be, but doesn't doesn't hematology have something to do with blood? Does that have something? Am I close to that, doctors? Uh, a person who who studies blood or deals with blood would that be a hematologist? Hey, I get that. 
phone, girl. You see the kid. I, hey, all kind of extra. I know a little bit about nothing. I mean, anyway, praise the Lord. <laughs> but now watch it. I'll guarantee you. And here's the thing that's unique. To show you that it's one blood, you can give transfusions to any racial group from any other racial group with comparable blood type. It all works. It all works. Why? Because blood is blood is blood. God only made one blood. Not six blood, not five blood. It said out of one blood. One blood. One blood. One blood. So there ain't no such thing is inferior blood. Black blood ain't no more inferior than white blood or red blood or brown blood or yellow blood because there's only one blood because there's only one human race. Only one human race. You either in or you out. I mean, you're in it or you're out of it. I mean, there is no other race. Just one human race and it's one blood. God made everybody out of one blood. So all the bloods can intermix. And all you, let's see, don't, again, don't take it personally and get offended, but see, you white folks that think you're so superior, and I'm not putting you down, but this is what's in our nation, this is what all this stuff has stemmed from, is from an idea that you are superior and all darker races are inferior, therefore you want to keep them separated, but that's the biggest lie ever told. Where do you think all these yellow niggas come from? think all these look at this <laughs> don't put the camera on her now look at this some of these black folk are white as some of you white folk where do you think that came from they don't Africa. they were made by the slave masters by mixing that superior white blood Inferior black blood. That's how you get all these varying shades of black folk. You got them from jet black, blue black, to snow white. Minus the seven dwarfs. One blood. How many bloods? All right, go to Romans chapter 2. Oh yeah, we we gonna we gonna we gonna deal with this. But we ought to, we have to have the same attitude that God has, and if you don't, then I question whether you know God. <laughs> yeah, because this is what God says. He shows no partiality. Out of one blood, God made everybody. Romans chapter 2, and we'll look at verses 10 and 11. 
it says, but glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for there is no partiality with God. Uh, how does it say? Anybody have a traditional King James? What does it say? No, I mean the part about partiality. Does it say no respect your person? Right. How, do, how, does, how does verse 11 read in the King James tradition? For there is no respecter of person with God. No respecter of person. It's the same. It means the same as partial. But it says, but there is no partiality with God. See, God shows no partiality. So you can't. Not and not be a Christian. Now, you can be, you can and be a churchgoer. You can and be religious. But how can you have the spirit of God? How can you be born by God's spirit and not have some of God in you? And if there's no partiality with God, where do you get partiality from? How can you say you know God and you show partiality? And he doesn't. Your daddy doesn't, but you do. Now, that's three scriptures I've given you. And the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, so I'm biblically correct, but I'm going beyond. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Page 1017 in the ever-increasing faith study Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, beginning with verse 14. It says, for the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves. Ah, live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Now, that's about as plain as the nose on your left foot. You'd have to hire you somebody to help you misunderstand that. He says we don't regard anybody according to the flesh, but the church does. Christians do. And primarily white Christians. Now, don't be offended by that statement. And I'm not saying everybody. I know better than that. I know better. And I'm not talking about everybody. I know better than that. Okay. But too many. And the ones who are not haven't said anything to the ones who are to change it. So they're just as guilty. You are called under law and accessory after the fact. No, you didn't go in the bank, but you're driving a getaway car. You're an accessory after the fact. You didn't pull any gun out, didn't have a bandana on your face, but you drove the getaway car. You're an accessory after the fact. You're guilty, just like the rest of them. So if you don't say anything against it, that means you're for it. So your silence condemns you. But see, this thing, this thing started with the slave owners who were white. They weren't black. They were white. Now, there are some black people that have a bit of a touch of racism in them. But the reason they do is because it's basically reactionary racism. 
It's basically reactionary racism. It's racism trying to get them to keep their heads above water and keep their sanity in the face of all the other racism that they have to be confronted with on a daily basis. It's reaction. It's a reaction to the racism that has been perpetrated against us. Even this thing with the light and dark black people. See, the slave owners, they, they inspired all of that. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later. But they inspired all of that because, see, you, if you want to keep people from rebelling against you, you've got to divide. If you can divide, you can conquer. If people ever get together and act as one, then they can exert some power and some influence. But if you can keep them scattered and fragmented, then you can control them better. So the slave owners figured that out. So they needed, they needed slaves to work inside the house, but they also needed slaves to work out in the field. And the, the, the slaves that were in the field were called field niggers. And the, and the slaves that worked inside the house were called house niggers. And so they had it special. They were there with the white men. They were there with the boss man, with Masa. They were right under Masa's, Masa's nose. They were in Masa's house. They, they cleaned Masa's bed. They, 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 they washed Masa's sheep, sheets while the other niggers, the field niggers, were out in the field picking the cotton and picking the corn out there doing all the dirty work. So after a while, I mean, listen, people, people have to survive. And they'll find out however they can survive the best. And so they found out that, listen, if I'm a little bit lighter and I get in the house, I got it made. <laughs> and so they don't want them Negroes out in the field to get into the house because that's going to supplant their position. And so they, the, the, the slave owners use that to keep us against each other. And it's come down to us today. We've learned the lesson so well that we're still perpetrating that idiotic, stupid stuff today. We got a whole lot of house niggas in the church. I'm going to talk about something a little later on. But here's what the word says. Can you read? Verse 16, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. So that means that I don't evaluate you according to your flesh. Then neither should you evaluate me according to my flesh. And if that's the case, then I'm good enough to marry your snow white, blonde haired, blue eyed daughter. Oh, brother, does that get you? Oh, yeah. Oh, we getting ready to go to war now. Oh, 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 oh. But that's, see, that's the whole thing. See, that's, that's the lie that was hatched in the first place. And so that's the thing that's kept this thing going all this time. There's never anything said about the white man screwing the black woman, but it's all right. But then we get a problem with the black man wanting to marry a white girl. Now that we can't tolerate that. But now for the for white man to violate the black woman, no problem. That's okay. That's all right. Okay. Let's go to Galatians. Galatians chapter 2. See, we, we, we're going to get down, down to, the, to the real underlying issue because nobody, nobody wants to deal with that. They want to do all the superficial stuff. Like I said last week, the, the, smoke, the, the, the smoke and mirror stuff, they, they, they like that. They don't want to deal with the real issue. But we got to get down to it. If we don't get down to the cause, we can't fix it. And I'm telling you, we got a problem. Problem is bigger than you even realize. 
with this race thing. And Christians, we can stop it. But instead of stopping it, we're perpetuating it because we're the biggest offenders. When I say we, I'm talking about the church. And I'm sad to say we, I'm in the church. So I, you know, I, I, I get marked with this same thing. But it's a thing in the church, and the church has not done what it's supposed to do. All right, Galatians chapter, what did I say, 2? All right, look at verse 6. It says, but from those who seem to be something, whatever they were, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows personal favoritism to no man. But those who seem to be something added nothing to me. This is Paul speaking. I want you to get that. Notice that again. But from those who seem to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me, Paul said. God shows personal favoritism to no man. Okay, let me ask you a question. If, if God doesn't show personal favoritism to no man, then no man, how, how much be left out of no man? I mean, that statement, no, man, we could say nobody, right? No one. Then how many are left out? So then that means God doesn't show any favoritism to white folk, black folk, red folk, brown folk, yellow folk. We do. But God don't. To use my very best English, God don't be showing no favoritism. Okay? So if I'm his child, I, I can't show favoritism either. All right, while you write there in Galatians, look at the third chapter. All right, look at verse 28. It says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So if we're all one in Christ Jesus, then I ought to be able to marry a white person or anybody. Now, see, I keep bringing that up because that's the, the thing that sticks in the white crawl is that thing about intermarriage. Amen. I, and I got a whole thing on it. I'm going to, if I can ever get to it, uh, to, I don't care about it. I don't have any concern. Don't want to work, marry nobody white, black, green, red. I already got a white that had her for 44 years. I ain't going to trade her in. <laughs> so, I, but I use that. I use that because I know it gets in the crawl. I know because that's the real issue. Nobody wants to really come out in the open and talk about it. That's that's the real issue. I could give a care. You marry a dog if you want to. I don't care about that. But if you have a problem with it, then I have a question. Why? Since God shows no partiality and God shows here, here, here we have it right here. But from those who seem to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. Paul said God shows no personal favoritism. To no man. So that would have to be no white man, no black man, no red man, no yellow man, no brown man. No man. So why do you? Oh, we, we're not finished yet. Go to James chapter 2. James chapter 2 and 1 Peter chapter 1. Because we're going to look at these two verses in juxtaposition to each other. Now, as I said before, last time. I realize, and in 1 Peter chapter 1, I realize that, that I'm being very graphic. And, and you might say, well, pastor, you know, do you have to be that graphic? Yes, I do. 
And here's the reason why. Because it's my thing. See, it's probably not yours. That's why God couldn't give it to you. Because you're so hung up, you couldn't be this open and free. See? And that's no kind of commendation for me. That's just me. What you see is what you get. Like it, lump it, take it, leave it, that's it. See? I, no, I don't have to be this graphic. There's other ways to say it, but I don't choose to say it that way. I want to say it this way because I'm led to say it this way. Because that's the way y'all talk on the streets. That's the way you talk when you by yourself. See, don't, don't try to kid the kid. That's exactly how you all talk. White folks, black folks, and all the rest of the folks. And you all know it, so don't try to sit there looking so innocent. All right, James chapter 2 and verse, verse 9. It says, but if you show partiality, you commit sin. Oh, my God. Oh, my gracious. What did this say? Maybe we better skip this verse. Oh, my. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. How does it say in the King James traditionally? If you have respect a person, if you have respect, but it says if you show partiality, oh, brother, sister, got a lot of sinners in the church. But if you show partiality, you commit sin. You've been running around here thinking about getting drunk is a sin and using drugs is a sin and, and shacking up someplace is a sin, and it is, but you have never considered this business, this partiality stuff, this superior, inferior stuff. You don't consider that sin. God does. Can you read? And guess what? We, we're not reading from the book of Frederick Casey Price. We'd be reading, we'd be reading from the B-I-B-L-E. The Bible. I mean, just in case you didn't know, I'm not reading from the Encyclopedia Galactica. Let me read it again. In fact, watch my lips in case you have a little hard hearing, a little harder hearing. Listen, watch my lip. But if you show partiality, you commit sin. Okay, let's move on to 1 Peter chapter 1. Oh, my, my. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you if you get anything out of this. Okay, 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And if you call on the father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourself throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Reverence or respect. Get that, get that last, get that last verse, verse 17. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work. So God 
judges the content of my character and not the color of my skin. So my question to you is who in God's green earth do you think you are that you have a right to judge me by my skin when God doesn't? This crap has got to stop in the church. Got to stop. All right. If we fail to do this in the church, what we just read, all these things we read about show no partiality, God no respect of person, what chance does the world have? They don't have any. Now, I want to share with you a message of a Sunday morning sermon delivered by prominent charismatic minister here in the United States just about four, four and a half, five years ago. So it's in what we call recent times. If I mention his name, you would know who I was referring to. It is not my purpose to malign this minister in any way, but rather to identify an apparent racial problem. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You see, things, and I'm aware of this, things can appear to be, and they actually not be a certain thing. So we have to guard ourselves against the appearance of what may connote a negative image. And this is, this is biblical directive. Now listen to this. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 22. It says, abstain from every form of evil. Now, in the King James traditional, it uses the word appearance. It says abstain from the appearance of evil. So here's my read on this. See if you can go along with this. My read on this is, and you know what abstain means, don't you? Can we get a definition or a, a consensus of opinion? What does abstain from something? What does that mean? Stay away. Avoid it. Right? Walk away from it. Okay, well, now, if he says to abstain from the appearance of evil, then that means to avoid anything that looks like evil. Can you go along with that? Yes? Okay, so if it looks like evil, then we ought to avoid it. Now, I don't know about your understanding of it, but to me, racism is evil. Because, see, actually, it's an affront against God. In fact, here's really what it is. Racism is telling God that he is a blithering idiot, that he is a fool, that he is dumb, that he did not know when he created black folk that he was creating inferior product lines. That's what you're saying in essence. God is dumb. God is stupid. See now, he's lost it. We need to put him in a retirement home because he created an inferior product. And it's funny to me how he could create all men out of one blood and only the black part of those that created are inferior. 
excuse me. Somehow I, I have a real difficulty with that. He made us all out of one blood, but the black folks are the inferior part. And the white folks are the superior, and yet he made all of us out of one blood. Now something, some kind of way I have, I, I, it don't fly. I mean, that dog won't bark. That fish will not swim. So he tells us to abstain from every form of evil. Racism is evil. Racial, ethnic, color prejudice is evil. It doesn't come from God and it's not of faith, therefore it's sin. So we should, we should, we should abstain from the appearance of racism. So if you look like a racist, talk like a racist, act like a racist, you should avoid that. You should abstain from it. Knock, knock. Anybody home? I don't like that. I ain't gonna come back. Fine with me. Keep your nappy tail at home. <laughs> Just wanted to get your attention. All right. Now, listen to this. Based on biblical pronouncement, we should abstain from it, whatever looks like evil. I think you agree with that. All right. Look at Romans chapter 12. Some of you white folk didn't know all this was in the Bible. That's because your ministers have kept it from you. Because they knew that you're just as smart as everybody else in the world. And you would figure out that something's been wrong with the way I was brought up. Something's been wrong with the way I was told about those people that live down there in the ghetto. So they don't want you to know that because see, if you know, if you find out about this, you're going to rock the boat. You're going to disturb the status quo. And they want to keep everything the way it is. So they don't want to do anything that would rock the boat. Sorry, cat's out of the bag. Jack is out of the box. Romans chapter 12, verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Now, in the King James, it says in that same verse, Romans 12 and 17, this is the way it says it. Recompense no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all. Now, I want to zero in on this business of honest because my read of the organized church world, which is basically presided over by whites and has the largest contingent of members because they are the majority society. I mean, that's just obvious, you know. But the, the thing about it is the church has not been honest. Like the like the like what we heard last week when I played you that Ku Klux Klan tape, that Ku Klux Klan tape. See, I have to get I have I don't agree with their philosophy. No kind of way do I do that. But I have to respect their honesty. They don't leave any doubt about how they feel about black folk. <laughs> and I like that because I know where the snake is. So I ain't gonna step on him by mistake. Some of the rest of you treacherous rascals, we don't know exactly where you are. You smile at me shake my hand by my tape 
But if I send my son to your house, you got a problem. You see, to me, that's not honest. You ought to just come out and say, we don't like niggas and we don't want no niggas in our family. You ought to just be honest enough to say it. Then I'll know to avoid you. Okay? And so we're going to talk now a little bit about, about some things that have to do with honesty because that's when I play this tape for you, I want you to hear from the mouth of the person themselves. I'm not going to go by what somebody said they thought they overheard. You know, I'm out of time. I try to stretch this out. But listen, we walk by faith, not by sight. Okay, that's all for now. Be sure to hit the notification and please be sure to show your love and support. Give a like and please share. But most of all, follow or subscribe, depending on the platform, to the Marvin and Janesta show, which is a subsidiary of Renew Your Mind Ministries in conjunction with Fantline LLC. Enough said.